Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Wow. Hello and welcome to the Abroad in Japan podcast, probably the best way of learning about life in Japan without actually being in Japan. I'm your host, Chris Broad. We're joined, as always, by England's top Japan enthusiast, Mr. Pete Donaldson himself. Pete, how are you doing on this fine day? I am good. It's um, a Sunday. I do hope you have all been to church and have also gone to the pub, uh, as as discussed in previous episodes about the uh, the fantastic Japanese uh, pub, The Hub, that says that a lot of oh, churches hub, have yeah. pubs attached to them. <laughs> so I hope you're absolutely 10 sheets to the wind. God, I, lo- I love that. Do you know they've removed that? I love that when I went to a... Oh. Good old hub, the British pub chain spread across Japan. There's three in Sendai, no less. And they used to have, um, on each table, there was a little pamphlet explaining British pub culture. And it was very simplistic. It said, every Sunday, everybody in England goes to a church and then they all go to the pub. And the pub is built into the church. So it's very convenient. I've never been to a church that has a pub. Is there, is there such a thing, Pete? Have you heard of this? No, pub I remember church. a pub attached to a attached to a betting shop, which is where I used to work. Uh, and throughout the day, the bets would become less and less less uh, legible. <laughs> I couldn't figure out oh, what the God. hell was going on. That is a potent combination. I yeah. uh, I have not been to the pub, and I've not been to church, but I have certainly been indulging in my brand new sandwich toaster. Many sandwich toasties Ooh. have been had this afternoon. I'm a little bit hello. Full. A little bit brain foggy because I've had so many sandwiches, so many toasties. What have you had in them? Cheese and ham. Cheese and ham, no less. Ooh, lovely. And a sour that tomato fantastic. one. It's awful. I put a tomato in, it was too sour. Ruined the sandwich, it was awful. But other than that, the other three sandwiches that I've had, I've had a lot of toasties today. Ah, I, So I bought it recently because I was sitting at my desk and I thought, I really want a toasty. Then I realised I did not have the technology to create the toasty. So I went and bought one on Amazon and here I am now, enjoying my toasties. And that is, that is the life of a YouTuber in Japan. Toasty, a toasty in Japan. Yeah, you should call yourself <laughs> yeah. a broad in yeah. a broad in uh, some ham. It's pretty, it's pretty dire. Uh, do you have a toasty machine, Pete? I don't. I've never. Oh, um, have sort I? I think out. I had one when I was at university. Um, and yes, they were very good until I think one of the wires sort of fell at the back of it, and um, 
nearly electrocuted me. So, you know, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. But I, I could have died. I could have died. Chris. I could have died. <laughs> by the sword, die by the toasty. Mm. Honestly. Yeah. On a scale right. of one to ridiculous ways to go, toasty, <laughs> that would be quite a way to go. But so Where uh, I want to go, baby? I, <laughs> it's been quite a week, though. I, um, I've just launched the first episode of Journey Across Japan. Uh, and you haven't seen it yet, probably, because we're recording this a few days beforehand. Mm. But um, it was intense. It was set inside an abandoned love hotel. Uh, you would have loved it, Pete. I know you love your abandoned places. Mm. Uh, mm. But, oh, my God. I, it was so surreal going to this abandoned love hotel. Um, Natsuki took a cigarette break next to a building. We thought it was like an abandoned toilet or something, went inside. It was a love hotel, just been forgotten. And the front door was off. Anybody could walk in. People had walked in um, and just like lived there. Like there's signs that people just gone into this abandoned love hotel with beer and just sat there and slept and whatnot. Even though I couldn't imagine a more terrifying place to, uh, to spend it, spend a night. But, uh, yeah. Was there, were there like beds, were, were beds out and stuff? Were, was there um, bedding? There was a, a the, first, the first bedroom we went in, there was a bed shaped like a heart, um, oh. which sounds nice, doesn't it? But there was a smash TV on the bed and <laughs> oh, no. there was a drawing of a pregnant woman who had been cut open and the, just ripped to pieces and covered in red crayon. It was very bizarre. <laughs> wasn't wow. very nice. And that's the first episode of Journey Across Japan. And uh, it'll probably be taken back down next week. So um, go and watch it, folks, before <laughs> YouTube pulls it down for obscenity. But what a nice nice episode to kick things off. Perfectly timed for Halloween as well. Uh, if that doesn't get you in the spirit, nothing will. Um, and now we turn our attention to Story of the Week. We've got a story here from Branavan. That's a cool name. Have you ever met anyone called Branavan? No. I, I enjoyed uh, the band Branavan 3000, though. They sang Drinking in LA. Oh, well, Branavan says, Hello, Chris and Pete. Long-time listener from Toronto, Canada, a.k.a. the Great White North, where we eat poutine and drink maple syrup. Lots of stereotypes mm. about Canada there. Uh, I recently watched an episode in the Netflix series Unsolved Mysteries on the Tohoku earthquake and tsunami and the subsequent emotional impact it had on the residents of Tohoku. They went, in great, they went into great detail about how many residents saw ghosts of people that lost their lives in the tsunami. And there are even books written about it. Are the Japanese typically spiritual? And what do you think of the real world accounts of the ghosts of Tohoku? Do you think they're real or mere uh, figments of uh, people's memory uh, after a traumatic experience? Sorry for the slightly morbid email. Love the channel podcast. Keep up the great work. Branavan. Um, I haven't actually seen this yet. Have you seen this, Pete, this Unsolved Mysteries episode? No, no. I, it's on my list. I, I I, was a fan of the first season. It was good, um, wasn't it? And really? then I, I, it, it was good. It was good in that it was a complete waste of everyone's time um but it was what? still very good it was still just like all of the, oh, all right, of the crimes you're just like well i see how that happened i mean they've been solved in that a man committed suicide a man killed his family and then fucked off like there's no <laughs> the, the mysteries are not unsolved they're very much solved but we just can't find the criminal we can't find the criminal to bring him or her to justice um and uh, from what i've heard from this tsunami one um it's you know some incredible um horrible footage of the tsunami mixed with just a lot of tap from some taxi drivers who think that yokai exists god i mean the first episode the first series of unsolved Myth- mysteries and i think it's an all right series i do think you're kind of right um they are kind of solved but then they're not but there was one of my favorite episodes in the first series were the people that thought they'd been abduct- abducted by aliens 
Um, I didn't even watch that one. I come, I, honestly, oh, I Pete. couldn't. I was so angry about the other mysteries. I was like, I'm not watching that one. It's about <laughs> UFOs, for fuck's sake. I want to see Unsolved Mysteries, Pete Dawson edition. <laughs> Each mystery <laughs> summarised in five seconds in a really bitter tone, really bitter, sarcastic yeah. undertone. Mm. Um, but um, I thought that was good. It was quite interesting. But um, no, I haven't seen this episode. I'm well acquainted with the kind of stories of people that have seen ghosts along the uh, coastline. Obviously, 16,000 people did lose their lives in the uh, mm. tsunami. And I, there was a great deal of trauma along the coastline. And I often feel a sense of guilt because I've made two episodes on the tsunami, right? Uh, one this year, one two years ago. And I often focus on the kind of positive aspects that the region has recovered it's been rebuilt. It looks quite nice. Many towns have, look great now that they've been kind of rebuilt. And there's a sense of optimism as well. But I haven't really spoken to that many people who have genuinely lost someone, uh, apart from Itio Kano, um, who owns that kind of uh, that minshuku, the uh, mm. traditional Japanese inn, uh, where she sadly lost her family, uh, but has a very kind of upbeat, positive view on life, which is inspiring. But I feel like I... In my, in my two episodes, maybe I've been a bit too, yeah, everyone's happy and it's a great future and it's so bright. Whereas I've kind of glazed over maybe some of the more severe stories of uh, people losing loved ones and whatnot. But um, yeah. yeah, it's said that uh, a lot of people saw ghosts after the disaster. The taxi driver, there's quite a common story where a taxi driver uh, will pick someone up. They'll drive along for a bit. Then the taxi driver will look back and the person in the back of the uh, taxi just disappeared because they were a, kind of a ghost or a spirit of someone who is wandering. And right. actually at one point, uh, taxi drivers were not going down certain parts of the coastline because they didn't want that to happen. They were fearful uh, of spirits trying to hitch a ride, which is quite bizarre, but clearly a lot of trauma in the area. And I will watch it and I will get back to you, Branavan, and give you my thoughts. But uh, if any of you guys have watched the episode on Unsolved Mysteries, let us know your thoughts and um, how you kind of processed it and i want you pete i your homework this week is to go and watch it no matter how much you despise unsolved mysteries <laughs> clearly i mean this this isn't really a mystery is it it's just a kind of a retelling i think um or maybe an yeah. examination of some of the trauma people have been through so maybe it's a bit more credible than uh, some of the other episodes what do you reckon hmm. Yeah, I mean, I would say that um, a lot of kids in my town would jump in a taxi and then before they had to pay, they would jump out again. So I'm just saying, cut and oh, run. Oh, Hartley Pool. Oh, Hartley Pool. <laughs> Could be that. <laughs> what an image. Um, this week, thought we'd do a fax machine special because we've got lots no, really. of uh, interesting stories and questions that built up in the fax machine over the last few weeks while I was on the road for Journey Across Japan. Before that, though, we've got a really interesting message from Imola, uh, a viewer and listener, Imola, in the UK. And she says, a Japanese games designer in the 90s had to make up American names for a baseball game. And uh, <laughs> she sent a link to this article. And, yeah, there was a game in the 90s, um, I think it was called Fighting Baseball for the Super Famicom. Hmm. And a Japanese yeah. games designer was given the task of going and making a whole league of fake American names. And have you seen these names on this list, Pete? Have you seen the sort of names? <laughs> it's, this should be really it's easy. Fant- 
Go on. It's fantastic. I, yeah, it's just just find like random names that already exist. But what I like about it, it the, the person who sort of came up with it in Japan, I mean, this has been kicking around for a while because I, I like my mm. video games, so I've seen this a few times, but um, it never fails to make me laugh. I have to read every last name every time this is shared because it's just like um, he's not used any words really that exist no, no names that actually exist first names second names he's just changed them enough it's it's like he's trying to get around copyright where copyright didn't exist in the first place so some of the names do you, do you want me to go through a couple of my favorites go through let's let's see which is the best yeah Come on. I mean, some of them are clearly like Japanese, the, the confusion between L's and R's and stuff, but there's no excuse for Sleeve McDykel. <laughs> sleeve? Sleeve Where did he get Mc... Sleeve from? Sleeve. Well, he's trying to change Steve into something, Steve. but like, like, like Daryl Archibald has become Daryl Archideld, um, Ray McScriff, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Raul Chamgalen. <laughs> what? Bobson Dugnut, anyone? It's so good. Dwight Dwight Rochigal is another one as well, which I very much enjoy. It's it's just it's just so much to be um, said for this. Willie Dustis, Willie Dustis, <laughs> Willie, Willie Dustis. Dustis, lovely. Good God, <laughs> Carl yeah, Dandleton. Not too bad. Not too if, bad. Of the um, the ten twenty names on this list, which one would you name your firstborn son if you had to choose? Well, obviously Todd Todd Bomzales. <laughs> Tom, Todd Bonzales is obviously right up there. Or Mike Truck, spelt with a K. <laughs> I, I, I mean, it's spoiled for choice. I think I'd have to go with Ray McScriff. Ray McScriff. Yes. Lord. Lovely. Um, Glenn Allen Mixon. No, Glenn Allen Mixon. Mixon. <laughs> Bobson Dugnut. Onsen Sweeney. Good God. <laughs> amazing name there. Just type into Google enjoyable. American names, Japanese 90s video game, and you will get the full list of these wonderful <laughs> names. Um, now we've got <laughs> a question from Chris who says, Dear Chris and Pete, uh, my name's Chris Roberts, a, a thoroughly normal name, um, and I'm from Ankeny, uh, Iowa, in the USA. I've been following Chris's YouTube channel for two years now and listening to the podcast since January 2019. With the holidays fast approaching, I was curious on how Santa Claus is viewed in Japan. After all, the videos that I've watched about Christmas in Japan and your podcast, I've yet to see a Japanese Santa posing with excited children. Arigato gozaimasu. Everything that, you, everything that both of you do, uh, all the best. Chris Roberts, have you seen Japanese Santa Claus, Pete? What have you, what have you seen? Yeah, I'm not actually. No, I, I, does he wear anything different? Does he look different? I can't remember, to be honest. No, I don't think I've ever seen a uh, Japanese Santa or a depiction you know what? therein. The only Santa Claus I've seen in Japan is Colonel Sanders with a Santa Claus Santa hat on. Right. Um, and yeah. That is the only time I've seen Santa in Japan, I think. They don't do the kind of Santa's is grotto it a beard thing? scenario. Is it, like a, is it like Japanese men don't grow big bushy beards? So. <laughs> doesn't work, does it? I mean, you'd yeah, be a great Santa. Really you'd be the perfect Santa this Christmas with your facial hair. Only with a goatee. Santa with a goatee. It's 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 like he's been through a divorce and he's sleeping in his jag. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I mean, yeah, they, they don't do the old uh, lining up and sitting on Santa's knee in Japan, so far as I know, uh, which is, of course, an institution. <laughs> Did you ever do that? Did you ever sit on Santa's knee and give your wishes, Pete? I did, yeah. Um, and last year, um, Hartlepool, <laughs> uh, yeah, Hartlepool Grotto. It was, it was always like a bit of a rite of passage, I think, when you were a little kid. But um, yeah, you shouldn't be doing it when you're eighteen. <laughs> and, and I've been told that. 
God. Um, now I'll keep you posted though, Chris. I am I'm actually in Japan for this Christmas. I typically leave the country around Christmas time because uh, I find Japan to be a little bit depressing at Christmas because it's like Christmas, all the worst bits of Christmas with no soul. Um, it's just yeah. like people exchanging gifts, lots of loud music. And Christmas has already started right now. We're in the middle of October, end of October, and already you can hear like last Christmas playing in certain shops and there's like a Christmas section. It's ridiculous. Like Christmas doesn't start until December 1st for me. So it feels like sacrilege. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Join me, Melissa Reddy, and listen to my brand new podcast, Between the Lines. I'll be speaking to the biggest names in football about the captivating, behind-the-scenes stories fans want to hear. From major talking points to untold anecdotes, you'll hear from some of football's leading stars as well as those working in the shadows. In our first episode, I spoke to former Spurs manager Maurizio Pochettino about that Amazon documentary. We feel responsible because it was uh, very difficult to say yes to open the door to Amazon. Only we watch with Jesus the 25 minutes first because it was until we uh, left the club. And on our latest episode, I investigate how prevalent and damaging social media abuse is in football. And I was like taking all this negativity onto myself and I did. I kind of lost myself and my personality because I knew everything that was going on around it. And it's not until I actually got to a stage where I thought, I can't take this anymore. It, It is becoming too much for me that I spoke out about it. 
Craving football insight? Well, look no further. Listen to Between the Lines with me, Melissa Reddy, via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you get your podcasts. This was a Stakhanov production. Uh, we've got one from Lawrence. Over to, you, over to you, Pete. All right, Lawrence has got in touch. Hey, Chris and Pete. <coughs> Excuse me, shot. Thank you. And a question. After years of hearing Chris talk about how awesome Sendai is, I finally travel up there. I've been living in Tokyo the past year and a half with my girlfriend. Sendai City, Mats- uh, Matsushima Bay. I just want to say that it was awesome. The highlight of our trip, however was Akiu, uh, a rural, rural in, uh, area outside of the city where we stayed at a very unusual Ryokan. The Ryokan is owned by a Canadian guy and he has bought up the place out for a couple of years uh, prior. Uh, it had been abandoned for almost 15 years. It was one of the most unique experiences I've ever had in Japan. The decor of the place was like a time capsule from the 1980s, full of the original furniture that was left abandoned. What I found most fascinating was the owner, though. He's a Canadian guy living out the sticks uh, in Japan, creating his own business and fully integrating with the local town. One of the other guests uh, there was an American who had started a small farm near Matsushima. Uh, again, I wonder about these foreigners who started a life in rural Japan, starting local businesses. I live in Japan as an engineer in Tokyo. Most of my friends are in the same boat. I obviously see the YouTubers and other creative types like Chris, but rarely I meet those that are doing more normal jobs and entrepreneurial endeavors out there in the small towns, and I find it fascinating. So my question for Chris is, do you know many foreigners living in Japan for long term, uh, not in tech or media? Have you ever thought about doing a video on these individuals? All the best, Florence. That's an interesting one. Um, mm. I mean, we've I've been torn apart in the past uh, because I always say that most people living in Japan are teachers, and that's like the only thing to do outside of Tokyo. And I think I still maintain that if you look at the general population of foreigners living in Japan and working, most of them are in the teaching game. But I do know quite a few foreign folks living out out in the sticks and uh, outside of Tokyo that do do. Some interesting things off the top of my head. Uh, Quinlan, he's got a channel, Go North Japan. Really guy, really cool guy. Quinlan in Morioka, he has an Airbnb. I don't think it's doing so well at the moment, unfortunately, but he started up his YouTube channel recently. He had an online store selling Japanese goods, I think. Um, he helps the tourism, local tourism. So he's got his fingers in many pies. I've got my friend Tim in uh, Yamagata. He's quite, he does a lot of stuff with tourism and the Yamabushido, uh, promoting like Mount Hagaro and lots of cool places there um got a good friend jess that works in sendai uh she works in tourism in hindsight i think they work in tourism starting to sound like lots of tourism but you do stumble across um like people that do have like little shops and cafes and things and i actually know the place that lawrence is talking about in Aki because it's not that far from here and it's quite cool Mm. but um yeah there's lots of people that do have little like small businesses, small to medium enterprises that they run. And I would actually like to go out and focus on them. Like recently I discovered there's a fantastic gin distillery in Kyoto that's um, half owned by a British uh, guy, I think. So I want to go and kind of interview these kind of business owners and hear their stories because um, certainly as well, I'd, I'd like to focus on British folks living and working in Japan as well because I've never really hear about them. So if I can find them, I think that'd be a lot of fun. But they do exist. Mm but we'll have to go and seek them out. Um, but uh, yeah, I think there are jobs out there, but you find most people, all of those people that I've just listed, uh, Quinlan, Tim, Jess, they all started on either the jet program or another teaching program. So it's still the way in before you kind of find your, your career, I guess. I mean, I don't know what you would over, do over if the, you um... lived here, Pete. What would you do? <laughs> no. I'd uh, I'd probably uh, run a sake distillery. <laughs> a sake distillery. <laughs> a sake distillery. Oh, a red eye. A, a bar that just did oh, red God. eyes. 
That'd be awful. <laughs> oh, actually, speaking of uh, sake, I bought a book over the weekend. I, I do um, <gasps> uh, know the guy, um, so it's a little bit of a plug, but uh, the Japanese sake Bible. For someone like me who kind of wants to get into sake, I, I have no way of getting in. It's 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 impenetrable. Like any kind of wine tasting kind of, uh, kind of thing, it's impenetrable. But I do kind of want to learn what nice sake is and what sakes I like. Because I've been in like you know, like a BA lounge or, or an a and lounge and, and mm. trying to figure out what sake's what. And I think for, for a good half a year, I was going around going, oh, are we like this sake I had on a plane called Subasa? And then I was like, oh, that means wing, doesn't it? So that's probably just an airplane sake made just for fucking airplanes. Um, so so I bought the Japanese sake Bible um, by Brian Ashcraft, a guy who lives in, uh, I think oh, he lives cool. in Kyoto. Um, but he's a video game writer by trade. Uh, I met him um, once in, in New York, um, I can't remember why, uh, but I met him and he's very, very pleasant, but he's, uh, he's just wrote a, wrote a book on uh, sake and it looks really, really interesting. So uh, and recommend it. That's my book of the week. <laughs> and how much did he bribe you to plug it in the podcast? Nothing. I, he, nothing. He didn't, he didn't offer me a, he didn't offer me, I bought it myself with my own hard-earned cash off Amazon. Wow. I also bought a second-hand book off Amazon. Um, I've been trying to find a book about J-League football um, and I'm looking at it now. Jonathan Birchall wrote a book back in, oh, I think it might be, sort of 2002 um obviously when the uh when the when the world cup was uh coming out i presume at the time with that but jonathan Birchall wrote a book called ultra nippon uh how japan reinvented football and i'm bashing through that and it's uh it's wonderfully yellowed the pages uh but there's very little stuff written about j-league i don't know why whether just the league is a bit tough but um it's um yeah it's 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 nice that i've been able to find something even if it was written about 20 years mm. ago well, I mean, that's the the original the Japanese sake bible. That could actually be quite good because I've got to go. Uh, I'm going to go to a sake brewery, I think, in December, and maybe make a video. And uh, oh, well, even after all this time, I can't really tell you the differences between sake and whatnot. I'm pretty rubbish at it, so it'd be yeah. good to do some reading up. So I'll check that out. That's cool. There um, you go. And that's if two, I, that's I, two I books feel sold. left out, I feel left out that you've plugged books and I haven't. So I'm going to plug a book. Sorry, man. Uh, plug a book. The Japanese, the Harry Japanese Potter. mind. Japanese Mind, Ooh. Understanding Contemporary Japanese Culture by Roger Davies. Get it on Amazon. And it's a really kind of really interesting in-depth uh, discussion about the Japanese mind. And there you go. Is that, that is that the one that's all um, different, um, like Japanese um, essay, right? Like Japanese university students writing essays. Because I think Correct. I downloaded that onto my Kindle. It is, it is. Is it? Yes. I, yeah. I think I started reading that about the old, uh, all of the naughty government officials, um, you know, basically doing their little deals with, uh, you know, it, you know they've got that two. I think they've got a two-year period before they can leave to private industry, which is obviously not something that's practiced by anybody else anywhere in the world. So at least they've got that. But a lot of uh, Japanese uh, um, high-ranking civil servants and government officials are just waiting to to get their uh, high-paying job in in private business, and, and they just feather their nest accordingly until they feather get up to that nest. point. It's uh, it's uh, it's an incredible uh, story of of some some quite egregious um terrible uh, behavior by, by by government officials not that we're not better over here if not worse with the old true. ppe scandals over the uh, covid uh, stuff the book you just described is actually called dogs and demons the fall of modern japan by alex kerr and that Ooh. is a very good book and a very depressing read oh, as well go. um yeah, yeah. In that book, I learned that uh, most of Jap- like uh, the Japanese coastline is concreted over, uh, be- not because of it needs to stop the cliffs from eroding, but actually 
because I just needed to spend money and keep jobs going. Really interesting book. Mm. A little bit depressing, but a great book. Dogs and Demons, The Fall of Modern Japan. And those are four books that you can read. A whole section there. We've plugged so many books. I like a little um, book club. Lovely. It's good, isn't it? Yeah, let's get the book club going. Mm. The Born Japan Book Club. Uh, i got one from Emma. So, hey, Chris and Pete. My name is Emma, and I'm from Denmark. I normally listen to the podcast on my commute to and from university. I stumbled upon a video on YouTube the other day of a Japanese guy named George who reacted to one of Chris's videos, the video about 12 things not to do in Japan. My question oh, for you, Chris, that. is what do you think of his reaction, and is there anything you would change if you made the video today? And as for you, Pete, do you have any stories to share with us from your trips to Japan where you or someone you saw did something that's normally frowned upon in Japan. Thank you for the podcast. Keep up the good work. Love, Emma. Uh, what did you say, Pete? You'd seen the video. I watched that video, yeah, because I, I, I mean, I actively hunt out anything, um, both algorithmically and actively search out anything that uh, has any possibility of slating Chris Broad. Um, I, I do, it doesn't take much to, to satisfy <laughs> me. But no, he was he was quite complimentary, annoyingly. Complimentary. Complimentary. That needs to go on the soundboard. That's going on the soundboard. Uh, I watched the video, and um, he seems like a nice bloke. I mean, a lot of the videos he yeah, was going, yeah, I liked him. Oh, mm, oh, like eighty percent the video. But he was, yeah, he, he agreed with think everything I said, except he made a point. One of the first points about um, he said that people in Osaka eat and walk at the same time. Right, the point I said is in Japan, people don't generally walk down the street and eat. And I maintain that that is still the case. Os- Osaka is not of this earth. It is a very special place in Japan, particularly downtown Osaka, where you've got a lot of street food like takoyaki, and that is commonly yeah. eaten out on the street. But for the most part, if you Stop walk down the street in Tohoku or something, you will get crucified for eating uh, and walking around. So bear that in mind. But uh, yeah, it's quite the rage at the moment, reacting to abroad in Japan videos. There's been like four videos this week. I also saw... I might do uh, some... You're going to do something. You're going to exploit. I might I mean, do one. Look at this guy. Look, look at this prick. <laughs> do you think he is? How dare you? Uh, Elon Musk-looking motherfucker. I wonder if anyone know or recognise your accent, just if you do like a voiceover <laughs> or something, a silly voice. Uh, I, uh, I could become was, like a drama YouTuber, a troll, a, a YouTube God. troll. <laughs> I saw one by that Japanese guy, Yuta. I think that's the name of his channel. Literally, that ga- that right. Japanese guy, that Japanese man, mm. Yuta, um, he reacted to a video I made about why I hate Japanese television. And that was quite interesting, seeing his thoughts on that. So I think I see why these videos are growing popular. You know, we have like a Japanese person uh, give their thoughts on someone who's living in Japan. I can see why it's popular. And that guy, George, yeah. he's got like a million views on that video. Very incredible. Well, well done him. Well done. So. Copyright strike him. Copyright strike him. Using <laughs> your shit. Copyright strike I could, him. I think I could take That's not fair use. That's my whole video. I, 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 can't, I still can't figure. I mean, podcasts um, is a bit of the Wild West, really, but like Stakano as a company, we're very, very careful about what we use, um, like copyrighted material and stuff, um, you know, but a lot of podcasts don't really care. Um, YouTube, obviously, you get caught algorithmically if you use um, people's music, but how does it work with like other, like using other, like well, it's huge interesting. swathes of other people's YouTube videos? So on your YouTube channel, it actually has this thing where it can detect where your videos have been stolen and uploaded, right? Mm. And it will show you like yeah. a match, percentage match. So like a 100% match a usually peak. means someone has literally taken your video, copied it and uploaded it on their account, in which mm. case you can take it down and do a yeah. copyright request. As for George's yeah. video, if I was a horrible, terrible person, 
Uh, and there's a chance, I haven't actually looked recently, but there's a chance that YouTube might have picked up that he's used in a Braun Japan video. There might be a possibility yeah. that I could have it taken down. Not that I would, because I think what he's done is great, and I think it does definitely fall under fair use, right? Because he's giving an interesting commentary. He's not stolen the video yeah. outright. So. It's, uh, but, but, but fair use, uh, like uh, the more I learn about it, certainly in the UK, fair use doesn't allow you to use any of the actual uh, content itself. It allows you to talk about it and, and mm. use the, the names of the characters and things like that, but it doesn't allow you necessarily uh, to, to use even transformative um, passages of, of anything that, that's only copyrighted it's a, it's a really weird and, and obviously the internet's you know memes are all based on copyrighted works and and you know it's all a very very interesting kind of difficult kind of thing to police but i do find that whole thing fascinating in america you can get away with doing all kinds of stuff you can use trademarks you can use um clips of, of footage and stuff so it's all very very interesting and obviously um different territories have different rules and it's a bit of a, a bit of a minefield i remember um uh, I think I spoke about this before on the podcast, but uh, Family Guy uh, mm. used a passage. Basically, they needed some footage from an old video game. It was an old NFL game, I think. And uh, they obviously had Peter Griffin talking over the top of it, but they found that footage online. They didn't. They didn't like download a ROM and record their own. Mm. Um, you know, through an emulator, they didn't record their own version of it. They just downloaded a video that someone was playing this Tecmo, uh, you know, NFL ball uh, on the old um, Nintendo mm. system. And uh, and so when so, so obviously that's on YouTube. They've used the clip. They've put it onto Fox and, you know, they've broadcasted it. And obviously, um, once, so, so in the end, the original video where some guy had just uploaded a video of him playing the Tecmo Bowl got copyright strike because it was technically part of oh, Family God. Guy. Because <laughs> it had been God. rebroadcast. So that's annoying. Insane. So annoying. But that, you know, they're, they're, they're not smart systems. They're just, they're, they're getting smarter, obviously, but they're not smart systems. As, and, and a judgment call has to be made in the end, by a human. I mean, I had a really bizarre situation where someone stole my video, but in the most just surreal and slightly creepy way. I think it was a Spanish YouTuber living in Japan. He mm. took my video. I made a video called, uh, I think, How to Learn Japanese Kanji Characters the Easy Way or the Fun Way. It was one of my yeah. first videos that I made in my first year. And in that video, I talk about how I learn kanji and I have some little funny, I say funny, I have some little sketches where I'm like having a mental breakdown and everything. But this guy, I can't remember his name, but he's literally copied my script word for word, but done it in Spanish right. and reenacted yeah. all my sketches like to a, right. to a second. Like if you compare the videos side by side, second by second, it's the same. Um, yeah. And it's just really kind of awkward and creepy. And there was even one shot where he did use a little clip of my fit, my footage from my video. Uh, he's used all yeah. the same music. Um, it's just so surreal. And somebody, it's is that does that fall under copyright? I don't know. But what I do know is I brought it up on Twitter, and he got crucified. Like those people went to his video and went, "What the fuck are you doing?" And then he took oh, it down or he hid that section. But that was seriously odd. Seriously weird. Some well, people. I mean, I guess, is he just not producing your content for a Spanish audience and he's just got, not got the chops to do it himself? <laughs> I don't oh, know. effectively. Effectively. Weird. Weird. Very odd. Very odd and a little bit creepy when you see it. Um, <laughs> got one here, Matthew from Portugal. Says, hello, Chris and Pete. Greetings from Lisbon. I've been tuning into the Abroad in Japan world for Abroad in Japan world for almost a year wow. now and I can safely state there is nothing better to kick off my day than some unique content about life in Japan. Around the beginning of the year, I was accepted for a three-month internship at an electronics corporation in Shizuoka Prefecture. 
However, due to COVID-19, my first visit to the country has been postponed several times and is now looking at sometime around spring or summer 2021. While I keep working on my Japanese and researching about the culture, would you mind sparing any advice for people coming to work in the country for short periods? Also, what are your top three mobile phone apps that will make my life easier in the country? Keep up the great work. All the best. Matthew from Portugal. P.S. When will we see Natsuki as Professor Snape? And that is a reference to... uh, a recent video called How Has Living in Japan Changed Me, where somebody asked Natsuki to reenact Harry Potter, and he did it with frightening efficiency. <laughs> um, it's, it was quite good. Did you see that? It was amazing. <laughs> it is, yes. Terrifying. Um, three apps, Pete. Three phone apps that will make your life easier in Japan. What are they and oh. why? Oh, I don't know. I mean, obviously Google Maps, but download the whole kind of area to your, to your phone. That's that's quite useful. Um, Dr. Moku's Katakana, uh, that, that's helped me in the past. Um, Dr. Moku? I, yeah, what I, Dr. Moku, he's like a bloke with a little moustache. He does Hiragana and Katakana, two little apps. And um, it's just really nicely done. Like really, the, the mnemonics are really nicely uh, mm. put together and, and they, they, they made it really easy for me to uh, remember. What I wish, um, you know what would be really bloody useful? Have you seen that What Three Words uh, app um, where they slice up the entirety of the world um, into, I think, two or three foot, um, probably about six foot actually, um, squares effectively. Right. And, um, and they assign every single last, um, six foot, um, square, um, uh, kind of box, um, a very unique, um, three word, um, three word kind of configuration. So like, so for example, uh, hmm. I probably don't need to, I will probably won't read out mine, but I'll pick something in the middle of nowhere. Uh, mascot waffle nurtures. Now, nowhere else in the world, if you've got this app, if you type in mascot waffle nurtures, it will find a, you know, six foot, 10 foot box in the world where that is. So you don't, so it's basically a really, really precise and unique postcode. Um, but it's not, you know, you don't have to type in phone numbers. So, so, so this place here in the middle of nowhere, Orcs cackling intensely. Uh, that's in a place called Shivery. Uh, and I think the next box a lot, or, uh, next box to it is something completely different. Grapes interview a saucepan. And then the box next to that is Spelling Tiles Patrol. And these are tiny little boxes, so it's a really precise kind of postcode way to do it. And I wish Japanese websites, um, such as they are, were usually pretty awful, um, used this uh, what three words thing. Because the, the emergency services are starting to use it, which is quite good. Um, and obviously, so it's not I like a joke. You know, it's English actually real... quite hard. A real... No, it's a real thing, yeah. It's because, because, like, say, if you don't know where you are, um, you don't know what part of the road. Say you're on a really long road, and you don't know what junction you're at, and something's just happened. If you load up that app, it'll literally tell you precisely where you are to to to, to a very small degree. Um, and it's better than postcodes. It's better than addresses. It's you know you don't have to look at house numbers. Uh, the the ambulance service or the police will know exactly where you are. So it's been it's been used like a lot. Um, it's a bit of a lifesaver, to be honest, and I wish that Japanese and, and anywhere um, foreign um, would use this uh, app because it's a really precise way of figuring out, especially when you're obviously everything's up on, on layers and everything's up on high, uh, high floors, you know, 10th floor, 11th yeah. floor, 12th floor, stuff like that. Um, but it would be a hell of a lot more useful. Remember when we were in um, Sendai, we were trying to look for a place to drink uh, and there was all these places that happened to be open on a Monday or Tuesday, um, according to their website, and then we just couldn't find any of them. So we just ended up just going back to where we were. <laughs> I'm gonna drink. That's true. Although I vividly remember you wanted us to go into some dodgy hostess snack bar called like Strawberry Fun Club. It was a karaoke Club. place. It was yeah, definitely no, it was, a karaoke. It place. was a hostess 
bar yeah, where it called well. like strawberry oh, fun club I? and you were a little bit drunk and you're like go on chris let's go in and i was like no pete because i'm gonna have to be your bloody translator all evening <laughs> didn't happen thankfully oh god what a night thank god we got out of there as quick as we did uh keep the stories questions comments coming into abroad japan podcast at gmail.com we'll be back uh, on wednesday to do it all over again guys but for now no matter where you might be out there in the big wide world we'll see you then and enjoy the next few days oh and check out the first episode of journey across japan escape to mount fuji of course have a good one guys see you then a Stakhanov production and part of the ACAST Creative Network. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just $60, bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.